Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota of Brookhaven has been voted best new car dealership in Southwest Mississippi four years in a row. Come see the difference. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota of Brookhaven, we deliver. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Hey, 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 all out there. My guest in a Mississippi Minute, well, it's a lot about going really, really, really fast. I mean, fire-breathing, bellowing out the back of the vehicle fast. A world champion time over in top fuel drag racing with career highlights and victories in the NHRA and the IHRA that makes my head spin and while trying to count them you know i can't do it but most importantly is how he took his own personal pain and tragedy and created a program called breaks and what are breaks primary goals to prevent injuries and save the lives by training and educating teenage drivers and their parents about the importance of safe and responsible driving to be conscious behind the wheel and oh how it matters and what a difference he's made please welcome my buddy Doug Herbert. Hey, Doug, what's going on? Steve, man, I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me on the show. Oh, I appreciate it. I know that you spend a lot of time doing your own show uh, and hosting uh, a weekly deal called The Straight Line on the Motor Racing Network. Uh, I get to see it every yep. once in a while when I'm when I'm glued to I have a TV at the benefit of that. <laughs> I'm not on the road uh, and flying around, cool. but... Yeah, but I love watching it. And, and At least I know one person is watching it. No, we, we know better than that. <laughs> we know. You know, I've got a lot of friends that grew up. Uh, we talk about it. And I've got this one song I wrote with uh, Jim Sonyfield from uh, Hooting the Blowfish. You know Jim. And uh, he uh, yeah. we wrote Race Car Driver. And it's about... It's really about the guys that lined up on the streets growing up at the red lights, and and we all had our cars, and I had this black-on-black 77 Camaro, and we all wanted to make them go fast, and everybody, you know, and we'd, we'd, we'd started a light and ended a light. That was that was as much fire-breathing dragon as I was. <laughs> <laughs> so your stoplight, that was the, that was the Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> it turned green, bam, there you go. Yeah, yeah, and, and listen, it was like moving uh, – I was probably, I looked like to you like uh, it was as slow motion as it could possibly get. You'd probably go, oh, that's that's not good, Steve. It's not good. Uh, but uh, well, uh, No, those, I, I'll tell you what, my first hot rod, 1970, well, my first car that I ever had, 1970 Camaro. I mean, so see that? you and I are pretty close, man. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> we what, had the same car. <laughs> what was under that hood, though, was a lot different. So hey, let's talk about that. I want to go back in time. And I love doing this with my guests because, it, to me, it defines where you are now. So let's talk about growing up, your influences. What got you into racing? Uh, you know, for guests that 
aren't familiar with drag racing. I want to get there, but yep. what was it that turned you on about the sport? Well, you know, my dad was, uh, he was participated at the first sanctioned drag race that they ever had, which I don't know, uh, the history of drag racing. The first sanctioned drag race that they ever had was in Santa Ana at, it was called at the time, Santa Ana Airport, which is now John Wayne Airport. Right. That is actually where they had the very first sanctioned drag race. You're kidding. And, uh, no, uh, 1949, my dad had been hot riding. He had a Harley Davidson that was a pretty fast. It was like, he was like the king of the streets in Southern California with this Harley. Well, in 1948, he got polio. And was, uh, really, I mean, my dad was a, just an incredible guy. He, but he sat in this iron lung for six months and he was thinking about all these things he was going to do when he got out of the hospital. Well, he got out of the hospital and within a week or so, his buddy told him, Hey, they're having a drag race out at Santa Ana airport. You need to bring your motorcycle out here. Who, you know, let's get somebody to ride it and you need to bring it out to the drag race. And my dad thought, you know what? That's a pretty good idea. I think we can probably win that thing. So they took the motorcycle out there and won the first real drag race that they ever had. I mean, like Man. overall winner. He ran top, you know, won top eliminator, which was like top fuel, and you know, but that was the first drag race with this Harley Davidson. Wow! And then uh, over the next couple years, they won more races at Santa Ana Drag Strip with this Harley than anything, and uh, so it was called the Beast. And I've got articles from different magazines. It's like drag king of them all, you know? Yeah. But yeah, he yeah. was in a wheelchair. So he didn't ride the bike anymore because he was in a wheelchair. So he was a really a big inspiration to me. And then, in, you know, in the 50s, he built cars to set, uh, they set world land speed records at Bonneville Salt Flats. Like his buddy that he grew up with, uh, George Barris, right? right. Everybody knows George yeah. Barris, custom yeah. car guy. Uh, the, when they were 20, I don't know, 22, 23 years old, my dad and George built a car and went to Bonneville Salt Flats and set the world land speed record for a single engine car that went like 250 something miles an hour way back in the early 50s. So they, oh, you know, so hot riding was kind of in my blood. Right. And, uh, you know, when I came along, I was born in 67, so I'm, I'm 50. Fast forward, I went to the uh, drag races with my dad and my aunt. My aunt, uh, Doris, used to own a, a publication called Drag News. And so we'd go to the drag races all the time because she, you know, she uh, published this weekly uh, drag racing paper. Anyways, I was a little kid, went to the drag races, and of course my dad knew all the guys at the races, and we went to Big Daddy Don Garlitz, and I'll never forget, I was a young kid, and he let me sit in his car. And I remember telling him, Big Daddy, one of these days, I'm going to race you. And he was <laughs> like, ha, 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 yeah, sure you are. And that was just, that was what drove me. And uh, I... You know, I've just worked, 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 and that was my, uh, you know, that was my goal. I wanted to race the top field drag son. I wanted to be able to race Big Daddy and the Snake and the Mongoose and uh, Shirley and all all of my heroes in drag racing. And uh, I just worked, worked, worked until I was able to uh, put myself in a position with my business that, uh, you know, I my goal for my business was to make enough money that I could go race a top field dragster. Okay, talking to Doug Herbert, the feeling of that, I got to know. I got to know what's, you know, your head pinned back. Um, I mean, what's it feel like? For anybody that's never been to a drag race, it is absolutely the loudest, 
fastest, most exciting motorsport that there is, in my opinion. I mean, you know, we love going to NASCAR race, right? You go, right. you can take a nap because, you know, they're just going around in circles and it's that little humming, <laughs> those engines, those cute little engines. They make about 800, 900 horsepower or something. <laughs> These engines in the top fill dragsters, they shake the ground. They make over 10,000 horsepower and the cars go zero to 300 miles an hour in three seconds. My gosh, feeds over 330 miles an hour. So they, they're fast cars like unbelievably fast and it's really a you know just a mechanical engineering masterpiece and i've i've always been interested in the in the car part uh obviously the driving part is exciting and fun but driving one of these cars people ask what does it feel like and i and i thought about it for a long time and i thought okay the best correlation i can give you is just imagine you're sitting in a stoplight Mm -hmm. And a semi truck rear ends you at 100 miles an hour. That's pretty much about what it feels like. You get that that big <laughs> kick in the butt, right? It just boom. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know how do you control the thing? I mean, what's what's what are you thinking? Right, you know, when it's go time. Have you ever been in so? I know you haven't. I'm trying to think of the situation, but when you're so focused on something, like you've visualized, you've focused, you've you've imagined doing whatever this is a million times, or you're in a you're you're skidding in your car and you know you're going to hit something and you know me too well that i've never focused like that you know that (laughs) (laughs) i know you do it's time the time in the car changes so you're driving down the track and it takes four seconds but it feels like it takes five minutes going down the track because you you know when you're in the zone you're just in the zone and you can hear every cylinder firing You, you can feel the the tires turning, you can feel the clutch engaging, you can, all these things, you're just, you're part of the machine. And when you're in that zone, man, it, it's a really good feeling. Hey, so <laughs> I'm talking to Doug Herbert. Doug, uh, obviously, um, you and I uh, have a mutual friend, your bride, who represented me yep. for a, a, a while and still get a call every once in a while, my girl Mimi Sabatis. So her family, obviously, Felix Sabatis, anybody that's involved in racing, uh, is that how you guys met uh, through the whole racing world? Well, not really. It was. It, this is a funny story. Okay, I got to tell you this. I don't. I don't think you knew the story. We've got so, a Mississippi minute. Keep actually, going. We actually uh, a mutual friend of ours, and I'd never met Mimi at all. I didn't even. I'd never heard of her. A friend of mine said, "Hey, there's a friend of mine that's an agent in Charlotte. You need to probably meet her because maybe she could help you with some of your racing stuff. Maybe sponsor. Who knows? I don't know. You guys just need to meet each other." And so. I went down to her office and we met and we kind of hit it off and we liked each other, but there was just, there was just really nothing that worked, you know, for us to really work together. And so, you know, just kind of went on down the road. And then probably two years later, I was moving and I needed a decorator. I was talking to a friend of mine and my friend says, Hey, you know, Mimi Sabatis. I go, yeah, sure. I know her. Yeah. She's the best decorator in Charlotte. You need to get her to help. <laughs> she's you know, a thought, go-to huh, for everything. <laughs> no, she's yeah, amazing. She's everything. And so we kind of got hooked up on that and, and, uh, you fell in you know, love with your decorator. <laughs> you fell in love with your, yeah. your decorator. I needed a decorator and I got a wife, you know? Yeah, so no, no, no. That's and that, and what a victory that could be your, one of your greatest victories ever. We're talking to Doug Herbert. Incredible. He is a pioneer. Well, his dad was the pioneer and, uh, in, in the and a dragster like you wouldn't believe uh, you are in a mississippi minute we're going to be right back Cause she's still there and life ain't there and this road goes on
Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. When I was 16, I knew everything. Opportunity I'm Steve Azar. We are with the fabulous, fantastic. I want to go fast. I want to go fast. Doug Herbert. Let's talk about your radio show. I know I want to get into breaks, and I want to spend a whole segment on that. But let's talk about, uh, uh, you know, how's how, you know your show? How many, you know, how how many times do you do run it a year? Uh, you know, how much work does it involve? Do you enjoy it? You know, so I guess it's been about seven years ago. The Motor Racing Network, which is NASCAR media, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, some guys over there contacted me, and they said, hey, would you be interested in doing a weekly streaming radio show? Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested. What are we going to talk You know, What are we going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk drag racing, and we're just going to talk to the winners each week and uh, you know, kind of get it out. We're going to try and cross-pollinate some of our NASCAR fans with mm-hmm. drag racing. I said, oh, I'd love that, you know, because obviously I love drag racing, so we're kind of get that out. And uh, the show started... You know, back then, well, never six, seven years ago, and we do about forty weeks a year, forty shows a year, and uh, they play on Thursdays at noon, and then of course they're on Stitcher and all that. Kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. The, we 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 subscribe. Yeah, you can do Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, you've yeah. got iTunes, all that, right? Yep. So Marty Huff is the other host on the show, and basically every week we talk to like you know the movers and shakers and the winners, uh, the legends. You know, people, uh, you know, depending on where we're going, if there's a, a race that's particular, you know, importance to their uh, to their history in the sport, so we'll mm-hmm. talk to them. But it's, uh, yeah, it's just a fun show. It's kind of a quick, you know, moves along quick. We just talk about drag racing and what's happening, kind of trying to give people an inside track on what's going on out there at the NHRA drag races. And uh, it's fun because, really, I'm talking to m- most of my friends, right? Right, right. To, it's kind of just like you and I having a conversation, and and uh, I think listeners like that because it's not it's not a, a real scripted out thing. It's just we're sitting there talking about racing, and uh, it's been a pretty popular show. They said it's one of their fastest growing shows over the last few years, so that's good. Well, because you guys are so insightful, and you get it, you know it, you understand it, you grew up with it, you breathe it. Uh, we're talking to Doug Herbert, Doug, uh, a shelf life of a driver. I mean, what does obviously depends obviously on a lot of things but um you know providing you know the health stays good and your eyesight stays good and your and your control yep. you know you know what's the shelf life you know i don't know i mean i would have said if you asked me 10 years ago i'd have said yeah probably you know 50 is good but then right now we've got john force he's 66 years old and he's the 15 time champion That's and crazy. he's still winning races so uh, you know but he's kind of like the He's an exception to the rule, I would, right. I would think. But um, I'd say, just like you said, as long as your eyesight's good, your your uh, you know Motor your reflexes skills, are right, good. Right. Uh, I think that with drag racing, the reflexes and just the feel—you've got to really have the feel. And I think that the having the feel and and uh, being in tune with what's going on with the car probably makes up for anything that you might lose with a little bit older age. Uh, you know, if you can keep those reflexes good, so. I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, it's probably 60, 65, something like that. I was talking with John Force here just a few weeks ago, and he said, hey, you're going to get out racing again, kid? And I said, well, I, you know, I'm thinking about it, but I'm getting old, you know. And he goes, what, how old are you? And I said, 50. And he goes, oh, I barely even won a race by the time I was 50. you got plenty of time. So I don't know. Maybe I got some time. Mimi doesn't think I'm, you know, she doesn't really want me to get out there and go drag racing. But I got my other project that you and I talked about before, that land speed record car to run at the Bonneville Salt Flats. Hey, let's so talk about that. that. So what's going on with that? Well, this car, 
the whole uh, well the reason for it and and, and we can get into it but was uh, after my kids got in a, uh, an accident, right. I talked to my dad, and I kind of realized, hey, you know, life could be short here. And I called my dad, and he's he's about seventy. Uh, I guess he was seventy-eight, or no, he's he's eighty years old at the time. I said, Dad, let's do something special. Like, let's go do something special. And he was like, ah, What do you want to do? I said, Well, why don't you just come go racing with me? We'll even race a second car, so you can be involved. Yeah, he goes, Nah, I don't top deal drags. It doesn't interest me very much. And I said, Shoot, I didn't know what to do. So I. I watched this movie called The, uh, the World's Fastest Indian, and it's an old movie with, uh, gosh, what's that old guy's name? Uh, Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a true story about this guy named Burt Monroe, and his life dream was to go to the Bonneville Salt Flats and set a record ride in an Indian motorcycle. So uh, the movie, again, so yeah, it's World's Fastest Indian. So you got to watch the movie. If you've never seen it, it's just a cool, inspirational movie. Anyways, I watched the movie. After the movie was over, I called my dad and I said, Dad, we're building the Bonneville car. We're going to go to Bonneville. He goes, oh, that sounds interesting. Well, what, what class? And I said, unlimited streamliner. We're going to build the world's fastest car. And he goes, now that's something I'd be interested in. <laughs> so we started working on the project. And uh, Doug, when was this? Uh, How long ago? That was in 2008. Okay. Yeah, 2008. We started working on the project. And I got some other people involved. Ray Everham, uh, you know, NASCAR crew chief, you know, Hall of Fame guy. He's a good buddy of mine, and he got excited about the car, so he's helped with some engineering and the aerodynamics and different things. And so we really designed, engineered, and built this car to go 500 miles an hour to beat a record that's only 460 miles an hour. So Man. it's a, yeah, it's a really cool car. In 2009, my dad got pneumonia and got sick, and he passed away. And then Ray's dad, he got sick, and he passed away. And so we just kind of put the project on the back burner a little bit, but... I think uh, we're the plan is to get that thing ready and go out there next year and set the record. That's, that's and where will we, where will you go to set? Where where, where is the uh, location? The Bonneville Salt Flats. Oh, you you said that. Okay. Miles. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. about a hundred miles west of Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, there's a we've got a website on the car where people can go there and check the pictures out of it and the progress a little bit. Uh, I need to get it updated more, but it's LSR for Land Speed Record. LSRproject.com. That lsrproject.com. I'm going to go on when we get off. That's that's amazing. Yeah. So how does your, your you grew up obviously a West Coast kid, right? Um, yeah. And uh, and you're on Charlotte time, which is you're you're three hours apart. So you, do you get punch drunk a little bit thinking about uh, you? Met, do you miss the West Coast <laughs> a little bit? You know, I love being where I'm at. I love Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte's uh, it's just a good city, and there's you know that there's not as much crowds, there's not as much traffic living is more reasonable. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than Southern California. Right. I mean, you know, Chapman College, right? You went to Chapman College with your kid. I, that, yeah. I went to summer school at Chapman College, so that that's a great place. So Southern California is a great place, but gosh, it's so busy. Yeah, it I is. Guess, I don't know. I'm with Doug Herbert. Hey, Doug, let's right. talk about your greatest victory. Was it your first? Was it, you know, you think about music when it, when, uh, obviously, uh, I've never been asked that question, so I'm going to ask you, uh, in your profession, where was it where it was pivotal? So in 1990, my dad and I kind of had a little bit of a falling out. And uh, I told him, I said, I'm moving to Char- I'm moving to North Carolina. I'm going to have my, I'm starting my own business in North Carolina. And I'm going to go top field drag racing. And my dad said, ah, you can't do it. You'll never be able to beat the snake. You'll never be able to beat Big Daddy. You can't do it. And it was just, it fired me up. Yeah. I moved to North Carolina. And 
uh, in started the racing and all that. In 1992, I won my first race at Bristol, Tennessee, and uh, that was that was pretty big. And like all of a sudden, okay, I can win a race, and that was that was a big point for me. But growing up, I grew up in Southern California, going to Pomona, the Los Angeles Fairgrounds, and watching the drag races. And uh, so probably my biggest victory was in 2002, I won the NHRA Nationals at Pomona, and my dad was there. Wow. And my kids were there. Like, it was the only race that I, uh, that I was ever able to win that my dad, my kids, everybody was at. And that was probably my biggest victory because I was a kid hanging on the fence watching, you know, watching the, my heroes race and then to be able to win that race and beat those guys was probably my most proud moment wow we're talking to doug herbert doug you get to play dj real quick mississippi is the birthplace of it all we are about like you guys are there about racing charlotte's known yep. so much for racing we are known for our music and our art and so play dj do you want to hear a little bit of mississippi john hurt or a little charlie pride uh how about some john hurt all right, there you go. The man has spoken. We're talking to Doug Herbert, you're in a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. Stand by. You got to walk that lonesome valley. Well, you got to walk it for yourself. Ain't nobody here can walk it for you. You got to walk the big valley for yourself. My mother had to walk. Hey folks, in the market for new pillows, I'd like to tell you about who I believe strongly is the best pillow manufacturer made right here in the USA, my friends at Beds by Design and their amazing Omni Pillow. The Omni Pillow is made with a copper infused fabric and they use high quality fabric. The copper has been known to be antifungal, antibacterial and good for the skin. The OmniFlow is the foam in the inside. Designed by their veteran team, the OmniFlow is a one-of-a-kind product that is unlike any other material. It is a patent material that adjusts as the weight is applied. They combine that with responsive temperature control that regulates your body temperature as you sleep. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy. And listen to this. They'll donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal? To give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. That's OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar and receive 20% off with free shipping. You won't regret it. Thanks, guys. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Steve Azar, we're with Doug Herbert, who's won more races. Uh, the dragster himself. I like the word dragster. It's a cool word. Uh, but but so many times. I mean, how many how many victories? Because I was trying to count. Uh, it's kind of hard to keep up with your resume. It's not like how many hits I've had. That's pretty quick. But but you know, I, I can do it on one hand. Uh, but tell me, how many times have you won? Well, you know, uh, we're good enough, lucky enough, whatever to win. I won thirty national event races here in the states, and right. then I won. I'm the two-time Japanese top field champion as well. So, so <laughs> yeah, 
That's why I got the name Dougzilla, right? When over there. <laughs> hey, the, uh, so, so yeah. you won that. Okay, so the, you're talking. So you had, but the IHRA, you've had double the wins, right? So it's 20 there and what, 10 plus for the yep. NHRA? Yep, I've had 10 NHRA national event wins, 20 IHRA national event wins, and four uh, IHRA top field world championships. Unbelievable, four times. Okay, so explain the difference in the two for people that aren't familiar with it. Well, you know, back in the 90s, uh, you basically had, well, probably probably starting in the 60s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, the National Hot Rod Association, the NHRA, was the primary, uh, you know, was kind of the primary main sanctioning body. Uh, in the 60s sometime, Larry Carrier, that owned Bristol Dragway, had a little bit of a falling out with the NHRA guys, and he decided that he was going to start his own sanctioning body. So they started the IHRA. And uh, okay. probably throughout the, the 70s, 80s, and even through the you know the mid '90s, it was kind of a uh, you know it was it was kind of like right side on side with uh, with the NHRA. You know, all the IHRA races were broadcast on ESPN. Uh, Kenny Bernstein and Eddie Hill and Don Garlitz and all the Shirley Muldowney, all the big racers still came out and raced at IHRA races. So it was a it was a big deal. But it's basically just like. Um, uh, you know, it's just like a different league. You got, mm-hmm. you know, AHL, NHL, or, or you know, right. uh, for baseball, something like that. It's just two different leagues. You just had the ABA work. and NBA, NBA and or whatever, and all yep. turned into one. You got the yep. different world championships and boxing. and Okay, so so okay, so okay, now that I understand that, even myself better, let's talk. Uh, I want to go into and spend a, a lot of time about talking about to probably your greatest victory in life, which was brought on by... The worst tragedy that anybody could ever experience as a parent, the one thing you pray for growing up that you just, as your kids grow up, excuse me, that you just want, just want them to be safe. And you lost right. two boys in a, in, in a tragic car accident. Uh, and I even have struggled talking about it. I mean, my eyes are watering right now thinking about it. And I know, but what you've turned it into and, and your desire to help teens become better drivers to become conscious. I love that word that I, you know, as reading on this and, and knowing about it in the past, but really reading on it and just take us to the beginning. It sounded like you just did it for a lot of your, your kids' friends and how this thing grew and, yep. wh- and where it is now. And spend all the, I want to spend the rest of the time talking about this because I think this is your greatest feat in life right here. Well, thanks, Steve. And, uh, you know, my life was pretty good, right? I had a, uh, everything was going great. I had my own racing teams. We we're winning races. Uh, I had my own airplane, my you know big house in the lake, and we had boats. I mean, everything was going great. I had three great kids. Uh, everything was super. And then all of a sudden, on January twenty sixth, two thousand eight, my son John and my son James hopped in the car, uh, took off. They're going to go to McDonald's and get something to eat for breakfast, and they. Uh, John was driving fast and driving recklessly, lost control of the car, and uh, they had a bad crash. And John and James were both killed in the car crash. Mm. And uh, it, uh, you know, less than a mile from our house. It just, it tore me up yeah. unbelievably. And it still tears me up. And just like you, I mean, I, I, I uh, you know, I have my moments where I cry about it every day. And I don't know that that'll probably ever change. But, um, I was actually in Phoenix, Arizona. I got the call that the boys were in the crash, 
and I came home fast as I could and went over to the place where they crashed, and I could see that, I mean, I could see these skid marks. Obviously, he was going fast, and he was driving recklessly, and I thought, man, why why do kids do that? I did that when I was a kid. Why, why don't kids go to the racetrack? Why don't they go to a go-kart track? Why don't they go to a place that's safer? And then, once I got into it a little more, I found out that car crashes is the number one thing that kills teenagers. And at that time, in 2008, more teenagers were dying in car crashes than the next four causes of death put together. You know, I did not suicide, know that. drug overdose, cancer, I mean, more than all of them put together. And it just blew me away. And I thought, why are we not doing anything about this? If there was 5,000 people every year dying in airplane crashes, we would be doing something about it. We would fix it. But... 5,000 teenagers a year are getting killed in car crashes, right. and we're not doing anything about it. So I kind of just made my mind up. I'm going to do something about it. At least I'm going to train my kids' friends about being safer drivers. So I got with uh, some friends of mine, you know, uh, that did performance driving, like law enforcement guys and uh, stunt drivers, and we talked about uh, with the Highway Patrol what is causing the car crashes. We need to teach teenagers how to deal with these situations, mm-hmm. like, you know, accident, crash avoidance, and distractions, and analog braking, and dropping a wheel off the side of the road, and overcorrecting. I know that's a big problem in Mississippi, too, with all the rural roads. Right, um, right. Skid control, skid avoidance. And so that first year in 2008, we trained 50 kids that were all uh, John and James' friends. And, uh, and I thought, you know, I felt good about what we did. I thought that was great. And I started getting phone calls and letters and emails from those parents and from other parents saying, Hey, I got another kid coming along. Hey, I got a, my neighbors want to go through that same training. It really changed the way my kids driving. Like it's, that was such a great thing. And so I thought, okay, well maybe we'll, you know, I guess I'll do it again. And so we did it again and same thing. And the problem was, it was just, it was Doug paying to do this and it was my therapy and it was great well then you know it's getting to be now it's getting to be uh you know uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars expense to run right. school and so i i uh, a buddy of mine said you know what you've got the perfect charity here like this is what you need to be doing you're making an impact on the world man you're changing the way these kids are driving and you're saving lives by giving them this this skills and the information that you're giving them because brakes isn't driver's ed we're treat we're teaching you know, big stuff. And uh, so then I said, you know what, that is a good idea. So we started a, a charity, a 501c3, and got some support from, different, you know, from, uh, you know, whatever. The National Hot Rod Association was a big one that jumped right. on board. They said, hey, that's perfect because we got a bad rap every time a kid gets uh, killed or hurt. In a in a street racing crash, they call us and say, "Oh, what are they, you know, these kids were drag racing." Well, really, they weren't drag racing; they were street racing. And drag racing we do at the track. So uh, the National Hot Rod Association made me their spokesperson for teenage driving, and uh, um, we started. I uh, got with the guys that own the Charlotte Motor Speedway, Britton Smith and Marcus Smith, and and told them what we were doing. They said, "Hey, you can use the speedway anytime, and we're not going to we're." We love what you're doing. Right. Uh, you can just cover some costs for us, but we would love you to do that. So we, anyways, this, the school's been going and going, and uh, it just kind of continues to keep growing and growing. Uh, Kia came on board a few years ago and provides all the vehicles for us and moves oh, them around cool. the country for us. And we've trained over 300 
professional instructors. Man, and that's crazy. Our, so that yeah, has grown that fast. Wow. Yep, and we've trained about 32,000 teenagers from 40 states uh, at this point. So 32,000. 32,000 32, kids. kids. Yeah, saved 32,000 lives. That This is amazing. Doug Herbert. This, so we're talking to Doug. Doug, okay, so uh, like if you okay, – if you're talking 40 states, I mean, has this thing grown organically pretty good? Are you, you have to obviously missing, missing some states here. So what, you know, yeah. I mean, how, how's it grow? How does it, I mean, or do we have it in Mississippi? No, we haven't been to Mississippi. I would love to come to Mississippi though. Well, we are going to come to Mississippi after this. Yep, that's one of the places we haven't. And, and it just, uh, you know, the program is free. Like I never wanted anybody to not be able to come to a break class because of cost. So the program's free, but, you know, to run a weekend program where we're going to train about 200 teenagers, and we also require the parents to come because, you know, kids are learning their bad habits from their parents. So we also have another set of instructors and another set of Kia provided vehicles for the instructors. So we're actually training about 400 drivers on a weekend, and it's pretty expensive to do that. It's it's about $50,000 a weekend to, to uh, you know, bring these 25 vehicles, 25 instructors, and, uh, you know, people to do registration and then about eight to ten volunteers to help do things. So it's a pretty big, uh, you know, it's a pretty big production, but it's, you know, it's worthwhile. How much, what does it work to be able to save a life? So no, no, it's, it's like you said, it's driver's ed on, on major steroids. Talking to Doug Herbert, you're on, in a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. Stand by. Funny how you feel at all. Hey, folks. If you're tired of being tired because your pillow isn't doing his job at night, give my buddy Chad and his team at OmniPillow a go. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy, and listen to this. They will donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal is to give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. You'll thank me, I promise. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar. That's OmniPillow.com, promo code Steve Azar, and you'll receive 20% off with free shipping. If you ask me, there's no better pillow on the planet. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We are with the fabulous, fantastic, talking to Doug Herbert, the dragster himself. The life that you've lived and had to experience and endure and overcome and succeed again is amazing. I mean, this is what it's all about to me. Um, we don't know what's in front of us all we know is where we are at at this time and and yep. and as a songwriter you know uh my rear view mirror becomes my my backdrop it's it's where it's where i where the songs write themselves and and uh and it's just it's been amazing yeah. to talk to you so before i let you go doug let's talk about what's today look like for you what do you got uh, ahead in the future as far as uh just everything that's going on any 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 wild well, plans well, we're you know I'm working on that land speed race car. Yeah. Uh, actually, next week we're going to Daytona. Mimi and I are going down to Daytona. We won this contest from Fifth Third Bank called "What Drives You," and uh, was uh, they did I think it was like five thousand 
of their customers entered this contest, and uh, our actually our bank, uh, you know, our bank contact said, "You guys need to enter this thing," and he told us about it. We entered the contest. So Brakes won the contest called What Drives Your Business, hmm. and the Brakes logo is going to be on that number 17 Ricky Stenhouse, uh, Winston Cutler, well, I used to call, I used to call him Winston Cutler, yeah, me Cutler, too, me too. Cup car, <laughs> right. down at Daytona next weekend for the uh, for the Firecracker race. So wow. We're pretty excited about that. Yeah, we're going to go down there and the uh, Brakes on the car at the race and that's going to be pretty cool so we're excited about doing that so that's what we're doing next week i love it i love it well let me tell you you're a brother and you're a pal and you're in my prayers and uh just blessings to you and mimi you've i love the fact that you guys found each other because she's one of my favorite yeah. people on the planet i mean really really uh makes you feel good you know i know that you wake up and if, if, if you're beat up and i mean i mean she's your saving grace because she's always been the one that cheers everybody up when you're around them no matter what it is and yeah. no matter what she's going through and how much we put her through when we were going hey we need to get some work or <laughs> she just she, yeah. she, she has that laugh and she has that zest for life and and it's infectious and i'm glad you guys found each other and you got to give her a big 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 hug all the way from mississippi for me and um we, we love you guys man i'll tell you what thank you so much steve I, and you're right mimi is uh she's the best thing that's that happened in my life so i'm just i'm so fortunate and so happy and uh mucho love brother mucho uh, that's, that's what we call each other mucho love and the girl can dance she's got it in her bloodline hey, hey the girl can dance hey real quick one more time before let's talk about just how people um your podcast and your uh, the straight line so how do they well maybe the easiest thing would be to go and uh, follow me on facebook at my just Doug Herbert is my Facebook thing because we do that live. You know, we, we broadcast it live on Facebook. Okay. That would be uh, that would be a good way. If they go to MRN, I think it's just MotorRacingNetwork.com actually is what it is. And uh, there's, you know, all kinds, mostly NASCAR shows, but they've got sprint car shows. And then my show is the drag racing show. Right. They could go on there uh, to learn about what we're doing with brakes. Uh, you know, bring their teenager. I mean, hey, travel. Travel to bring them. If we don't have a, a, a brakes class close to them, Come and bring them to one of the ones that we do have that's, uh, you know, somewhere a little ways away. But putonthebrakes.org is the website for Putonthebrakes.org. Okay. Yep. Putonthebrakes.org. Boy, I needed that when I was growing up. I, I've been, I'm, I was known as the first and second worst drivers in Mississippi, and I was willed a bus. A bus when I was a senior in high school, so so people were writing my uh, my future. They didn't know that I was going to live in one for about eighteen years. Doug, I can't thank oh. you enough. Uh, everybody, follow your, follow Doug Herbert's podcast. Follow my podcast. You know you can do it. We have one as yeah. well. We're in a Mississippi minute. I'm Steve Azar, and uh, we appreciate uh, you guys listening. Blessings out there. Later. I'm Steve Azar in a Mississippi minute. All sixty of them where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.